first an issue here at home, rural and regional banking. We live in an age, of course, when you can perform your personal banking in the palm of your hand. Online transactions mean that many of us rarely visit a bricks and mortar bank. But what if you live in a rural or regional community and even an occasional visit to your local branch is no longer an option? What if all the banks have shut their doors and left town? Since 2020, it's estimated that the big four banks have shut down some 650 branches, many of them in remote communities. And these regional bank closures have been the subject of a federal Senate inquiry, which is expected to report later in the year. Uh, With us to discuss this problem is the mayor of Cloncurry up there in northern Queensland, Greg Campbell, Wendy Streets, who is the secretary of the Financial Workers Union, and Senator Gerard Rennick, who is the Liberal National Party senator for Queensland. Welcome to the press. Program, all of you. Good morning. Thank Good morning. you. Greg, if I could start with you, paint us a picture. Uh, what would it be like in your community if you didn't have a bank? Uh, it'd be very difficult to sum it up quickly, but you know, we're in a good position. We've still got uh, the National Bank and Westpac and our local Rabo branch, uh, but we faced the Westpac branch closing earlier in the year and that's how we got involved in this movement and how we ended up presenting evidence at the Senate inquiry. Uh, Give us a sense of the remoteness of your communities. If those banks did shut down, how far would people have to travel just to do sort of basic banking services? Uh, At least 120 kilometres one way. So, you know, you're looking at 240 kilometres round trip to go to Mount Isa. And I understand that, you know, transporting large amounts of money is, is problematic. I mean, some people, I understand it, would, would need to have armoured security vans and, and, and that kind of protection. Oh, to minimise the risk, uh, definitely you'd have to look at that. And even though we're using less cash, there are still a number of businesses uh, that have given us their evidence that they're still up to... 30 and 40% cash on some fairly large turnovers. So it's still an important part of the economy and still a service that's needed. And as I understand it, there, there are some sort of community events there that, that need big cash floats, sometimes as much as sort of $50,000, $100,000. That's the sort of thing you need a, a local bank for, presumably. Oh, definitely. You know, we've host some of the biggest regional events in Western Queensland between our show and Camp Draft and Rodeo, uh, to name just a few. And even the size of the floats that they're needing, they still need to give the current branches notice because they just don't hold that sort of cash on hand all the time. But to add you know, 240 kilometres and becoming a minor customer rather than a a fairly significant customer, just makes that even more onerous. Wendy, you're the Secretary of the Financial Sectors Union um, and up there in Queensland as well. How big a problem is this from your perspective? It's a huge problem and it's been going on now for um, well and truly over a decade um, and we've been trying to get governments of all persuasions to focus on this. Um, Banking, as far as we're concerned, is an essential service We were named as an essential service as soon as the pandemic hit and our members had to go to work every day and keep 
banking available to Australians um, where they were. And we don't understand why we can't get a government to actually put restrictions on our banks to make sure that they stay and provide their services for regional and remote Australians. We, we invited the Australian Banking Association onto the program. Unfortunately, nobody was available to speak to us. But, but Wendy, I think what they would say that um, in some places, very few people are actually using these banks. Um, in some instances, it's, it's as few as, as 10 people a day. They, they would say they've become uneconomical. What, what would you say to that? What we've seen with the development of technology, and we should be making technology work for us in these instances, not against us, is um, we've got multiple branches around, and in fact, every major bank has a model where staff can be both in, in the branch and serving customers in the branch, or then they can revert to um, serving customers either online or over the phone. So there is plenty of work to do. The technology is there. It, what happens often in towns at the moment is they shut their doors and the staff stay in the building and actually do over the phone work. So with a bit more thinking and a bit more planning, they could easily keep these services in Australia, even though the foot traffic has diminished because there is an element of... Um, of customers who actually just can't get that 120 kilometres away or 200 kilometres away to do their banking. Well, let's talk to Senator Gerard Rennick. You've been on this Senate inquiry. Uh, give us a feel uh, for some of the community concerns that you've been hearing during this, this, this process. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Look, the community service uh, concerns are, are, are primary centred around the fact that banking is an essential service. And yes, while it's true that a lot of the transactions can be done online, it's not true that the banks aren't making money in these regions. They still make the same amount of money they did uh, because those areas are very wealthy. And if you take Cloncurry, for example, it's a very rich agricultural and mining uh, community. Uh, it brings in a lot of money for the country. So if the banks want to charge interest on these people's uh, loans and everything for 365 days a year, I think it's only fair that they keep their branches open for 360, well, for the, you know, 250 working weeks of the year. So, um, and it's interesting to note this week that I know that the CBA CEO brought, you know, ordered his staff back to work because he said that people work better when they work face to face. And yes, while you can do a lot of transactions online, when it comes to things like services, uh, cash handling, uh, and even little things like when if you're in a community group and you're on an executive and you have a change of executive at the AGM every year, You've got to go into that bank, you know, your local branch and, and sign up new signatures and be identified with your driver's licence. So those are the reasons why we need branches to remain open in the regions because as Wendy correctly identified, it is a, a, an essential service. Uh, and I think that you know, banking, banks have a social licence to uh, provide services to all people, to people across all communities in Australia, not just where you know, it suits them to make more money. I was reading some of the testimony before the Senate inquiry, uh, a lot of concerns from elderly people, obviously, um, who would find it hard to make those kind of long journeys. Um, I also understand that one of the reasons why there's been an uptick in home ownership amongst First Nations Australians is, is because of the relationships that have been forged over time with face-to-face -face contact in, in local banks. 
Well, that that's right. And this is something I don't actually understand why banks don't want to be have branches out in the regions because if you, you live in the region, you get to know the people better and, you know, you, you'll understand get a better understanding of their risk profile. Uh, and it's not the same. I mean, you know, not that I've ever tried online dating, but I can assure you, <laughs> I think most people would agree, you'd rather have a face-to-face interaction and uh, because, you you know, you can read a lot more about a person. Well, it's the same for, in my view when it comes to lending. Uh, and if you've got people living in the communities, they can assess, assess the risk on local business, local farms. Uh, you know, they'll know what the, the property market's doing in that particular uh community. So, like I said, I just think that the banks have actually overreached on this from their own point, of, uh, just from their own shareholder interests as well. Greg, um, Jared made an important point there about the wealth of, of these communities. I thought there was an amazing illustration of that. I've heard of farmers flying their helicopters to, to parts of their land uh, where there is good digital reception so they can do their online banking. That That's a problem, right? That uh, a lot of digital banking isn't an option because of the the patchy wireless service. Oh, yes, it definitely has an impact. Uh, And even if you have connection when you start, if it drops out during your transactions, that adds to a level of frustration and uh, unease. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors. One that I think is important to raise is as a local government and as a community member in a rural community, I can understand to some degree why the banks think they've got the right to look and think about closing branches because they look over the fence and see state government especially, but federal government as well, just sucking staff out of rural communities without question. And until our state and federal governments step up, you know, it's a bit... uh, Oh, it's a bit rich to expect to put a, a blanket expectation or a social licence on a private business when they don't do the same thing themselves. So I think the banks need to do more, uh, now, but our governments need to do more as well. Now, Westpac actually decided to shut its branch in Cloncurry. I, I understand you fought a rearguard action and, and managed to reverse that decision. Um, how did you win that battle? Uh, we... Firstly, they hadn't consulted with us, so you know we got senior executives' attention. And once they come to Cloncurry and sat down and had a conversation with us, uh, that was really meaningful, really insightful. So I think those senior managers, uh, senior executives, do get that they've got a a need to have a presence in areas. We saw it not just as good business for our community to have the branch stay but we saw it as good business for them to stay because as jared said this is such a rich and important area uh we've been mining and grazing cattle for over 150 years we're on the cusp of a whole new wave of copper gold uh, phosphate mines opening Uh, we're on the cusp of irrigated agriculture producing tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars worth of more products for our domestic and international use. Uh, So it makes good business sense for banks to be here. Wendy, one thing the banks would say, I think, is that there are alternatives. They're not the only game in town. Um, You can do a lot of banking at Australia Post, for instance. What what do you say to that? Well, 
our view is Australia Post is exactly what it says. It's Australia Post. It is not a bank. Its staff are not trained in banking. They're not trained in risk, in fraud, in in banking products. Um, the service that three of the big four have signed up to with Australia Post is no more than transaction, money in, money out. There are daily limits for both personal customers and business customers that are not sufficient for the day-to-day running, especially of small businesses in town. Um, There's a security risk. We spent decades back in the 80s and 90s um, fighting in in courts of law to ensure that the health and security of our members was... um, was increased with banking security and there is none of that in post office. So it would be shifting the risk um, of robberies and so forth, but also they're not staffed either. They're mum and dad businesses, um, most of them are franchises and at, at the bottom line, they're just not trained, skilled bankers. Jared, I think one idea that has been floated is is the creation of a public bank or, or the recreation of a public bank. The Commonwealth Bank, of course, was privatised during the Hawke-Keating years. What, what, what do you make of, of that sort of idea? Uh, look, I'm strongly in favour of that idea, actually. I, I think that uh, we've got a private uh, and public uh, health, edu- health and education sectors, and I think we should have the same with banking. I mean, the Commonwealth Bank, Bank with the Strength, was... Uh, something that I grew up with. I mean, my first account was with the CBA. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't know why we can't have a public bank again, not just actually for uh, retail uh, lending either, but for business development and an infrastructure bank as well. Uh, and the other thing that we really could combine with that is another state government insurance office type procedure because there's a real issue with insurance uh, across the country as well, both, you know, in housing and business and especially in remote locations. So I don't know why we couldn't have a public bank uh, that also provided insurance uh, services as well, uh, and the profits from that can can effectively, uh, you know, go back into, say, business loans or lending to councils or something. But ideally, I think we've got a lot of work to do with monetary reform in this country, uh, and I think a public bank is a part of that solution. Well, it is a conversation that will go uh, on and on. You'll be reporting uh, later in the year. Thank you so much for joining us. Greg Campbell, the Mayor of Cloncurry, Wendy Streets, the Secretary of the Financial Workers' Union, and Senator Gerard Rennick, who is the Liberal National Party Senator for Queensland. Thank you all. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Bye. Well, up next, into the world of Russia's youth. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.